You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to The Comedy Cellar Show here on Sirius XM Channel 99. We're here at The Comedy Cellar. My name is Noam Dorman. I'm here, of course, with uh, my partner, Mr. Dan Natterman. Hello, Daniel. Hello. And uh, right now, our, our guest at the table, you want to sit down, Stephen? Uh, right now, I guess the table is Mr. James Altucher. He's a financier, former hedge fund manager, and author of 21 books. That's that's remarkable. He is partial owner. I have to say this. Yeah. He's partial owner of the New York City Comedy Club Stand Up New York, and is a stand-up comedian in his own right. And I keep wanting to come see him perform, and I, I haven't done it yet. And then uh, we're going to be joined You're by Roy Wood anytime. In a, in a, we're going to be joined by Roy Wood. In a, in a few minutes. By the so, way, no, I'm, James also is a podcaster, as we are, and he's been getting... What, what's the name of your cast? Uh, it's called, very originally, The James Altucher Show. And he's been getting <laughs> some kick-ass guests. He should be an inspiration for us. Who have, I like know he's, no, Noam Dorman uh, is a kick-ass guest. You also had William Shatner recently. William Shatner, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. How do you, so how do you get those guests? You know, if you ask a thousand people, ten say yes. Well, that's what Stephen does. He asks like one a week, and then uh, if they say no, he, he complains he couldn't In get it. In a thousand guess. weeks, I'll eventually well, get somebody good. I, I have a great podcast producer who I think you met when you were there, and he literally sends about a hundred emails a day. Oh, like we just booked Wyclef, and after a year of asking Wyclef to come on the podcast. It's just persistence. Well, I discovered today that uh, a person that I've been asking for over a year is finally ready to come on the show. I oh. don't want to give any name. I emailed you her information. Oh, uh, Padma Lakshmi. Yes. yes why why can't I say that? I don't know. In case she cancels, I don't want to get the hopes up of our you know, audience. I went to a wedding with her in Iceland once. That's my only, I had to say that. With her. Only, well, not with her. It wasn't like she we was, on, was she on your arm? She, she was sitting a few seats down from me. It wasn't a crowded wedding. It was in Iceland. Is she as striking in person as one would believe? She's she's definitely striking. Yes. She's, J- she's James, by striking. the way, just broke up with his, and you authorized me to bring this up. Yes. A good James. You know, I saw a picture of James with his hot blonde, and I said to myself, you know, it's definitely better to be a man in this world, because, you know, I'll touch her. With all due respect. Just, my name is Al Toucher, so that gives me an, a leg up right oh, like there. Chris Gethard. Gethard <laughs> he, I mean, you know, physically, Al Toucher is, you know, he's not, uh, right. you know, he's not uh, a fashion model. Nor am I, by the way. But uh, but this chick... Are you... So, did you just... I, he did, I and I don't, I don't like... Yeah, I don't he, like did that's you just insult my looks? Did you just make it because I look Jewish? Is that it? Is that what you're saying? Well, I guess so. <laughs> Go ahead. But, but the point is, he had a smoking hot chick that he broke up with. So this is the power of being a wealthy man. Well, I think also it's the power of when two people are together for a while and they're not necessarily elevating each other in the way you would want. It's not like I'm 20 years old, I'm 50, I'm looking at you know the rest of my life. So you make decisions based on that. But the point is, is when you're a man, you don't have to, you don't have to be good looking. When you're a woman, unfortunately. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying you, you, you're fine, <laughs> but you're not at the level that this young lady was. That's fair. I will say that. Dan, can I ask, what percentage of uh, a man's attractiveness would you say comes down to how much money he has? 
Well, you know, I don't know. That's an interesting question. I don't know if it's that that money itself is sexy, or because that you seem to place a, a great deal of emphasis on on James being rich as opposed to him being a nice guy, personable, able to carry a conversation, friends, that sort of thing. All those things diners. matter, but but obviously a. Well, that's an interesting question. I don't know if it's the money or it's the brains and initiative that it took to get that money that's sexy. So, so it's, it's sometimes it's hard to parse that out. Anyway, Noam, Noam looks like he's... No, I'm, I'm listening to this. I, it's, I, it's, hard work to, it's hard work to work hard, you know, and so it builds character. Well, do you have a girlfriend now? We just broke up yesterday. Uh, so, so, okay, so when you meet a girl, do you... Do you want? Do you lead with your resume, hoping that'll interest her, or do you try to to play it down so you can see how how you do when she's less knowledgeable about who you are? Well, here's follow the, the question, right? Here's the question: Is that who do, like like you, for instance, when you meet somebody, they probably know right away. Oh, it's Noam Dorman. He owns the Comedy Cellar. He's he married. Yeah, it's a it's a hassle. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. Like you know, I had once. You know that book, The Rules, that was so popular in the nineties yeah. about dating. Yeah. So I had the women who wrote the rules on my podcast, and they said to me, "Try to date someone who doesn't know who you are. Like, don't date someone in media. Don't date a fan or a reader." And I should follow that advice. I haven't yet followed that advice. So, no, I used to do that. I would I would meet a girl, you know, that I that, that I didn't, didn't know who I was or whatever it is. Think I was a customer or something like that. Yeah. So ever so usually, the people I speak to usually already know who I am. So that's my that's kind of my problem with dating. I should kind of seek out a different a different world. It's not. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's going to be a little more challenging. No, no. You know what? I don't. Uh, no, you, I don't you, think he's right. By okay, the way, well, maybe I'm not. I right. actually don't think he's right, and I think that. But you would you would not have any doubt. In that in that way, I, I think women are. Um, I mean, obviously, there's shallow people in, in all sexes, but I think for the most part, they meet a nice guy and you're personal, and they like you, and you make them laugh or whatever it is. They're, they're not immediately thinking, well, how much money does he have? Yeah, and also you could see usually by their past, who do they go out with? Why did they leave that person? There's a lot of evidence they people leave behind now. You know, it's not like people come up with a clean slate. Like, oh, you, someone might have used to go out with. Elon Musk and then broke up with him for whatever reason and then I can see okay she's not purely going for a billionaire or whatever uh, you know there's just tons of ways you can see evidence that they're not just going for one thing people go for many things they, they like like you were saying they want a nice person they don't want someone who's gonna um, be mean to them they want someone who's gonna elevate them in, in personality and in their careers and, and so on and you want the same thing in a relationship I was never good at the elevating the other person how do you, how do, you do that I think you you don't you, you compromise with them you, you 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 help them with their careers you give them advice where where you have experience and they don't talk uh, down to them you mean <laughs> yes yeah, mansplain is what you're telling me you have to do it in a gentle way so they don't get defensive if someone's too defensive they might not be the right person to elevate you yeah I don't know I, I uh, go ahead you want to say something Stephen well Dan do you lead with the fact that you're a stand-up comedian. World no, I, no I, don't, I don't lead with that. Yeah, but, but unless I'm, I meet somebody at the comedy cellar, in which case, uh, you know, they know it already. But no, I don't lead with that. But, you know, um, some you people lead do. With the fact that you have a law degree. Yeah, well, I don't lead with that either. You know, I usually just lead with. Do you take credit cards? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, if I meet people, it's often here at the comedy cellar, so I, it's, they know already. That's the thing you know? is, we're well, all well, in our If subcultures. I meet them on Tinder, I say, it says, uh, I think it says on my profile, I'm, I'm a comic. I'm not sure if I actually... 
put that on there or not. But, I've, uh, I've never used any dating apps. Do those things work? <laughs> well, they do work, sure. No, I'm, we're 50. Like, well, uh, I'm not quite 50, but... 49. I'm getting up there. It's, yeah. it's just like your, your formula about getting guests on your podcast. You know, you swipe for a thousand people, they work. Well, yeah. the thing yeah. is, though, no. I, I, I read, and a friend of mine was telling me about how if you swipe right on just everyone on Tinder, then it gives you a certain score, as it were, which drops you a to swiper. the swiper? Yeah. So you're a, if you just get on and swipe right on everybody, then well, it's it the door rates. of the Explorer, something about swiper? I don't. That, uh, I didn't yeah. hear that, but that could be. And it makes sense if you're the type I don't of guy who swipes the, on everybody. I don't have the Tinder where you can only swipe a certain number per day because you got to pay extra for the Super Tinder, where you can swipe unlimited. Right, Tinder Plus. The, the or best something. thing is virtue signaling. So you have oh. a pretty girl who likes you, who introduces you to her friend. Then they don't have to swipe right a thousand times. But it's all it, kind of. I, that's not virtue signaling. Yeah, it's, she's signaling to her friend that. This yeah, but that's not the, how we use the word virtue signal. That's, that's how, how he uses it. That's how I use it. Okay, I'm okay. defining it. <laughs> By the way, uh, Noam, he's yeah. being part owner of a, of a comedy club. I'd like uh, to, we know how you feel about Louie. You've made your position clear on, mm. on numerous podcasts all and so on. All Louie all day. Go ahead. Here we are. Well, I think it's, <laughs> it, look, I mean, I think it's fascinating. No, no, you know? of course. Go ahead. Um, I'd like to hear uh, James's opinion as a club owner on what, has, has Louie been to the stand-up New York or, or tried to get on No, there? I know, obviously, he's been here a lot. That's because his booker uh, said publicly that she didn't want him there. The booker did write publicly that she didn't want him there, and I told, I love our booker. I totally respect anything she says, but if I were there and Louis C.K. showed up, He's going straight on the stage. He's a funny guy. Now, is he ju is he judged by the world of the, the comedy courts that he shouldn't be on a comedy stage and, and do his job? No. And there's such a thing as due process. If you don't want to see him, you can walk out. Uh, it's, there's so many ways to punish a person, and nobody has officially said, oh, no, Louis C.K. is not allowed to do this by law because of what he did, which is all... You know, I'm not saying he, it's speculation what he did because he admitted to what he did. But I think there's speculation as to, you know, he, what he were the effects to, to of fair, his He admitted careers. to parts of it and other parts he did not comment on. And I think there's yeah. speculation about what it means. Does it mean he's a weird guy? Does it mean, clearly, you know, he's a, a sexual deviant? That, that I don't know. People do weird things. And so clearly he's a great comedian, one of the greatest of all time. And... You could um, the the markets will decide if people want to see him. It, it, as long as he hasn't broken a law. The markets will decide if people want to see him or not on a stage. He's a great comedian. That that well, sort of answer. Complete it? devil's advocate argument here, and I had this conversation with my parents right before I came here, so I'm primed. Uh, all you're doing by allowing Louis C.K. on the stage is perpetuating a cycle whereby white straight entitled males uh, are allowed to do whatever they want. They can uh, commit heinous acts against women. So if, if, Louis, if Louis were black, then we should let him on? There would be more of an appetite. But I'm saying, well, could, could anybody say, listen, it's okay. If, if he was black, it's okay. But well, a white guy, black, you're going to let him back if, on? If he was black, then uh, at least you're dealing with someone who has a history of uh, repression in our society. I, I don't want to be devil's advocate here, but see if this is going to be absurd. What I'm, what I'm saying is that well, these are real arguments. Though. But like football right. players are are regularly like being called out for beating the shit out of people, and then they go on Sunday and play football. Like no one's stopping them from doing their job because they did something we don't morally approve of. 
Well, I like, made the point. Mike Tyson came out of prison for rape, and he and he was embraced immediately with Hollywood and well, Broadway and theaters. And, and, and clearly, what he did was wrong. But also, we have a, a philosophy of redemption and going. He went to jail. His freedom was taken from him, and he paid. He he paid what a judge and jury thought was the right amount to to ha- have some redemption for his crime, which was which yeah, again I, was heinous. But Louis C.K. is not even going to jail. The only jail he's in right now is that some people feel he shouldn't go on a comedy stage, and people are entitled to have their opinion on that. Yes. But so, I think he, I would love to see him. Call me next time he's at the comedy store. I'll come right down. Okay, so I will. Uh, uh, so I, uh, <clears throat> I did a daily podcast, the New York Times Daily Podcast this week and or last week, and you know they edited me in a way that that uh, I, I didn't think was proper at all, and they ambushed me and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, the, the podcast seemed to come out very good. I got a lot of positive feedback. So if anybody's interested to know, you know, what my principled reasons are, you can uh, go to that New York Times podcast. I, I've dwelled on, hey Roy, dwelled on it so many, so many times already, but I do want to say one thing new about it, which is last night, I had not yet seen Louis on stage since he's been back. First few times I wasn't here, and then when I was here, I felt like uh, I might make him nervous or in some way, like, you know, become part of the dynamic in the room if people saw me there watching him. So I decided to stay upstairs. But yesterday I went downstairs to watch him. And now, maybe this is wrong, but it just occurred to me how small, like, like how do I put this? Like, the world, it's a huge, like, literally a worldwide happening. But then when you go downstairs, it's like 95 people in this tiny little room, and this dude is telling jokes, and everybody's laughing. And you're saying, this is, the whole world is, is locking arms against what's happening down here, as if this is a monumental, and, and all this talk that I hear about on, online about how we are about rape culture and I'm someone that Norm Dorman is so powerful and we are the patriarchy and but and it's all it's all a big myth. We sell falafel and hummus or whatever it is and we have a tiny little room and, and Louis goes on and if people like it, they like it, they don't like it, and we have no power that I'm I mean, you're a comedian, no power in the industry and we can't break anybody and we can't blacklist anybody. We can't do nothing. And they just overlay this whole I don't know, mythology and fantasy on it, but when you go downstairs and you watch it, like, oh, this is it. Like, it's just a guy on just stage, a guy on stage telling a tiny, jokes. It's a tiny room. He's yeah. like, oh, you know, Tell, t- telling, the whole world is upset about this? Telling dick jokes, basically. That's what comedians do. Yeah. So, yeah, right. So, so 100 million people, say, read the New York Times, and all these people have their judgments and their opinions, which they're entitled to. But at the end of the day, you're running a business, and if everybody's laughing at a comedian on stage and he hasn't been tried in a court of law... And what's I don't understand how many more opinions there need to be had well, in, on this. In subject. the end, the audience speaks. Anyway, we're joined by Roy Wood, is a stand-up comedian and correspondent for the Daily Show Hello. with Trevor Noah. And he, how is, are you? I think Ray uh, Roy is going to be Ray, Ray Monster. Roy is going to be um, one of the household names of comedy within the next in the next couple. Of years. I think he's unstoppable. Well, thank you. I, I think you are a juggernaut, and that is uh, basically a, a, a feeling that's widely held by a lot of people. I don't know if you're aware of that. Like somebody, no. somebody just today was telling me that on the phone. Like, oh my God, this guy is, is just, there's nobody like him right now. Man, I write my jokes. I try not to be an asshole to anybody. No, but, but you've got pretty it. much mine. So, and, and Roy is going to be hopefully prominently featured on our new Comedy Central series that airs this Friday. But I, what I want to talk to everybody about now that we have Roy, um, this Megyn Kelly thing. So. Yeah. Blackface. So, so, so Megyn Kelly said, uh, to be fair to her, that, you know, when I was a kid, uh, we could, you know, white white kids could dress up as a 
black character and black characters could dress up as white guys. She used white face and black face. And, you know, if somebody wanted to be Diana Ross, it was okay. And she got attacked basically as a racist. Is that a fair way to describe what they called her? And so I, I, I had some thoughts about it, and I want to... Wasn't she just here the other day, by the way? Like, yeah, she was just here the night before last. I, I have some thoughts. I want to, I want to buy, run it by Roy. Because was she I, in blackface? No. no. <laughs> because I see this as part of something really bad in the world where everybody immediately wants to take the worst possible interpretation about a person and make that what it is. And um, obviously, it was a tremendously stupid thing for her to say because of the history of blackface. And, so, and by the way, in my lifetime, not just blackface, although blackface I think was the, the, clearly the worst example, but like on uh, F Troop, there was a Chief Wild Eagle, was this Italian guy, and uh, Jews with hooked noses playing Fagin and Oliver Twist, and Jerry Lewis doing the bucktooth Asian guy. These were all mockeries of ethnicities, and, and I think, and you know, they have the black minstrel with the banjo and the lips, and it was just a horrible part of American history. I think the, but, the other thing Megan Kelly said, though. Wait, let me, let me, get, let me okay. spit out the whole point, and then I'm going to let you talk on, on it all. But I think that, um, that A, there's, there's, a, there's a flip side of that where she's saying, well, you know, if a, if a little kid today admires Barack Obama, because I want to, I want to be Barack Obama, and you say, no, no, you, you can't, you can't do that, and and, and essentially saying that we're not, a, that we can't distinguish between the mockery of another race and somebody wanting to dress up as something because they because earnestly they, they, they believe that, like, yeah. Well, like my son, who's three percent African American, so I guess now technically, if he wants to be Black Panther, <laughs> you know, like he, I mean, his, he he doesn't know and. So she's so it's tremendously ignorant of what she does. But is 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 it? Can it be racist in someone's heart to say, you know, I'd I'd like to be able to dress up as these people I admire? Is, is it fair interpretation? Well, that that you must hate that person. You must be you must hate that race. Like, no, I don't think you heard me. Oh, you know what? I'm so stupid. I didn't even realize all the other baggage that that kind of thing has. I'm a jackass. I stepped on the third rail. But don't. But understand, it wasn't racism. I I did it because I I I want want to be that. And I, and the final thing I was going to say is that maybe we need to somehow find a way to let go all our associations with the past, lest they continue forever. Meaning, maybe in some way we do need to find a way to let a little white kid dress up as Barack Obama. Maybe we could trust ourselves to tell the difference between mockery and and hate and ad admiration and stuff like that. Well, was she saying blackface is the same as dressing up as B Barack Obama? I didn't no, care. She, she didn't get into it. I'm just saying, I, I began to really think about this issue. I said, well, how will we ever break out of this? I said, well, one way to break out of it would be as a society to say, you know, all right, let's let's not teach these kids to have the same associations of history that, that we have. It, it, you know, just like, you know, these scientific studies where you, how, do you, how do you cure depression? Well, if you smile, all of a sudden you get happier. You know, like maybe if, if, if we could approach the post-racial world with a little kind of take a little risk about it, maybe we'd get there in a certain way. Because if I have to tell my little kids, no, you can't be Barack Obama, you can't be Black Fate, you can't be uh, Black Panther, I'm teaching them something 
that I don't really want them to learn about race. So these, is, is I'm, any, I'm just spinning out. So I want I want to give Roy full a full open canvas to say anything about this issue. I think it's very interesting. Is that racist because he's the only black person <laughs> on the panel here? Well, I, I wouldn't dare talk about this unless it was a black person here. But that's the world we live in, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I feel like there were with the Megyn Kelly thing. She did talk about oh, back in my day, da 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 da. Okay, cool, fine. There was a lot of shit that was flying. There was a lot of stuff that was flying back in the day, which was fine. But she also said she felt like even if it was something that was offensive, Halloween should be a day where you let it slide, basically. I didn't, hear so, that. I didn't see that quote. Yeah, there was, there was, there was a continuation of it. We can pull up the transcript. Yeah, but can you pull it up, Stephen? Yeah. I think that there, for what Megyn Kelly said, it's dismissive to the people who see offense in it. Yes. So the problem, and I'll start with the end point, which is, teaching people a different type of reality as it relates to race. I agree with that completely. The problem is there's still people putting on blackface for the sake of mockery. Everyone doesn't do it in peace. Everyone doesn't do it out of a sense of respect to Obama or Diana Ross right, or but, Black But we Panther. can tell the difference when we see it, can't we? We can, but then... I meant that as a real the, question. No, no, yeah. I know, I know. But I'm saying to a person that's triggered by that, to the 60-year-old black person that sees that, and they don't have that filter. Everyone doesn't come up in the same America. And I think that's the problem we live in because we live in an existence where we have to everybody we're, oh it's like it's like a peanut allergy. Where oh, one person on the plane has the allergy, there's no peanuts. Yeah, I think that's a good we can't analogy. have we can't have peanuts up front and no peanuts in the back. We don't have time to figure out which row where the peanuts no mm -hmm. peanuts, period. And that's probably an extreme place to exist, but as opposed to the contrary, which was even more extreme and more oppressive, I just think it's it's where we are right now. How do we get I out do, of it? Is it forever? I think I think that there, but see that there's there's been there's been plenty of white people that have done black characters without blackface. These people have done cool. Jay and Beyonce. I could pull up the pictures. There was oh. a whole thread well, on Actually, Twitter there was that movie Soul where, Man. Remember that movie Soul Man? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gene Wilder yeah, also. Yeah, you put that out Judge now. James Toback, I think, was the director. Uh, yeah, but I'm saying Hashtag at the time, too. people didn't weren't triggered by What it. about and Fred Armisen as Barack Obama? Just look up and, and, and uh, look up the thing. I want to get the track. Yeah, yeah. Armisen, yeah. Armisen never did. He never he did. He never put on blackface. There was never blackface. There was a movie, Tropic Thunder. Where um, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Downey Jr. Right? And Gene Wilder black with Richard Pryor. Gene Wilder put on blackface. Mm -hmm. okay, we bad. The, we the, bad. The worst one though was where there was actual consequences. Was Ted Danson and Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. I forgot what event yeah, it was. It was like a luncheon or something. Yeah, yeah Ted something Danson like, went into blackface and that almost like and they ate his ass up. His career. Yeah. Well, look, they ate him but up. he was, but he was purposely uh, doing the black. He's saying the N word. He. He was really trying to be, for lack of a better word, edgy. I mean, you know, well, but, but even then, I don't think anybody thought he was racist. Well, they just thought he was extremely disrespectful. I'll give anybody yeah. where blackface and racism is concerned, because I've stepped on the third rail a couple of times with LGBTQ. Not about Jews. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> like I, said, I, I was on Colbert, and I said something about the LGBTQ community. Yeah. I spoke positively of him, and someone ate my ass up for not saying LGBTQIA. So... I legitimately did not know. And We're now that I know that at intersexual and asexual, but there's others. Don't don't you do that to me. <laughs> I'm not stepping on that rail again. Go educate yourself. It's not your job. It's not my job to teach you I... about the No, but that's real stuff. And so I will give anybody the benefit of the doubt. If you say you didn't know, all right, fine, you didn't know. But where Megan Kelly is concerned, we gotta look at the offender. We gotta look at someone who's also said Santa Claus is white, deal with it. Jesus is white, deal with it. We have to believe women, but then turn around and dump on the Kavanaugh accusers. So 
there's a lot of inconsistencies with her. Uh, let, so, let me read the transcript because you're right. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, so Melissa Rivers says, if you think it's offensive, it probably is uh, whatever happened to just manners and polite society. And Megyn Kelly says, but on Halloween, on Halloween, you've got guys running around with fake axes coming out of their head. You're going to, it's going to be jarring. So, I, yeah, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a. Yeah, she continues on. But you, you it's, made, it's Noam, you made, it's a similar uh, situation with your argument about being able to use the N-word. And that some people use the N-word, the full word, white people, without meaning any harm. They might be quoting somebody, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you said they shouldn't be castigated for it, and they shouldn't be, but they should be told and reminded that no. some people will be offended no, by it. No, I said something more than that. I said that we've actually gone backwards on it in some way, in the sense that Howard Stern used it in interviews, uh, George Carlin used to use the word on stage. Stanhope uses it. Stanhope, that, that people used it, A, when they were quoting what on someone stage. else said on stage, that the word was always off-limits to be used as an epithet, but it was never off limits just to utter it as like somebody somebody calls somebody the end and they'd say the word, and I said that that I didn't understand that I think that and then and now that the final the final stop on the station is that if somebody quotes the word in a conversation where they're talking about the fact that it was bad that somebody called somebody it, then they lose their job simply for uttering the word even though the intention was to report information. Yeah, yeah or, and and actually or to, to, to complain about racism. Or, correct. Well, and I said that at that point it's become ridiculous to me. But, yeah. right, but so, if people right. are offended, let, 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 let well, James in. Well, I was in the middle of a set. No, you yeah, but you he was, oh, I, I you, been talking about to Dan Natterman. He doesn't understand what it means to be the host. Go ahead. Good. Oh, so what I was going to say is no, how would you feel if on Halloween, since we're talking about Halloween, if a German kid was dressed as Hitler. So similar, I was argue it's a similar kind of thing. It's a, a triggering costume that could be considered offensive. Well, Dan, you want to take that? Funny to serve. Yes, it would be offensive. I mean, I you know. What um, would you do though? Would you say that person was being anti-Semitic, I, uh, or would, I would you just I, say it was offensive? I, 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 I would give the person the benefit of the doubt that he didn't mean anything by. Didn't it. one of the princes do uh, that in England, dress up as a Nazi? Harry, I yeah, I yeah. would give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> That he didn't mean anything by it, but just as the case is in blackface, I might kindly tell him that, you know, a lot of people aren't going to like this. You might want to consider other people's so, feelings. So you bring up an interesting point, though, which you mentioned briefly. I don't briefly. agree with that. I, I, like, I, if I, okay. Hitler itself is a, a, an evil anti-Semitic character, so to dress up as Hitler, it well, can't be because you admire but him. Dress up as the Grim be considered but also... If, but if, if I see somebody, and I've seen it in like a Hasidic Jewish outfit on Halloween with the payas and everything... Even if, I don't care. I don't. I don't take that as an insult at all. Even though, it's a character. The, even though there's still people who praise Hitler as a be-all, end-all philosopher on world issues. Yes. No. I. I th- no. What I'm saying is that if you dress up as Hitler, you're immediately suspect of trying to make the point that you love Hitler. You're, okay, you're but either, what if you're not? What if you're dressing up as Hitler because I, he is a? I, I wouldn't be like, triggered. like the I, grim grim reaper. I'm not triggered by that. You see that you saw in well, grim uh, movies. That's, that's your choice that you yeah. wouldn't be triggered, but yeah. some people would. But here's the other thing, too, and this is the thing with Megyn Kelly, and you briefly mentioned it, and this is the sort of person, this also describes the sort of person who would dress up as Hitler on Halloween. We have to, we're in this society right now, everybody's polarized one way or the other, but everybody's also assumed to be rational and polarized. Polarized. The reality is some people are just stupid. Like, Megyn Kelly is probably just less intelligent than most people. How many black friends do you think she has? She probably like, doesn't, lifetime, has no clue. lifetime total. How many black friends, friends over she, under. do you think she has? I don't no, even no, know. No, no, no. I know her a little bit, I, and actually, I know better quite well friends of hers, who are not even white. 
Well, I guess they're white. I don't know. They're Hispanic. So, um, and and they they adore her. I have to I have to say that. But I think Roy is all may also be right that if you live a certain life where you just don't have that experience, that's how you end up saying something that sounds really ignorant, like you did about LGBTQ. I'm slow to say racist because if you don't know, it could just be ignorant to the point. Yeah. It might not be something you do, but you don't see a problem with it. I don't know if that makes you a racist per se, but it's, hey, here's an opportunity for a teaching moment. But the reason why they come down on her so hard is that she's on her 14th strike yeah. at yeah. this point. I so that's part not, not of the ra- issue. Not 14th racial strike, but... No, but yeah. just no, in for, general. 14th yeah. intelligence strike. Well, see, like she thought NBC would be some sort of control-alt-delete on her whole history of ignorant, sane, crazy, outlandish stuff. And it hasn't been. People don't forget. And that's also part of the issue is that anything you've done lives with you forever now because we're in the digital age. But I would so much prefer, yeah, I would so much prefer that if the, if the, if the cultural natural reaction would say, wait a second, Megan, what you said is wrong... And, and the head of NBC said, "Tomorrow we're going to have some people on, and we're going to discuss this." Now that start calling her a racist, you know, like, and 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 use it as a teachable moment. And I, it's like, and th- because this is what we all feel this. It's because of this, and I've been through it. Everybody's afraid to say the wrong thing. You're afraid to, mm-hmm. in good faith, say something that shows that you don't. And and it's a horrible time to live in. Yeah, it's horrible. Right, you're, pe- people are afraid on every side like you're afraid to say Bill Clinton is guilty of me tooing women as well you're afraid to say oh Susan Collins is not necessarily an enemy of all women just because she made a speech supporting Brett Kavanaugh well the left left is not afraid to say anything they want well they I mean they're not gonna they're not gonna dress like Hitler probably no but but Sarah uh, Young can tweet you know all white people can die whatever you know I mean there's no Joy Reid can say whatever she wants about you know basically the, the the they give you a pass on the left like Ted Danson essentially I mean Ted Danson there was controversy but if that had been a right wing guy showing up to a party like that he would never he would have never gotten up off the mat you know they did every they gave him the full benefit of the doubt because he's a left wing Ted Danson and he was was he dating Whoopi at the time yeah, yeah. yeah. and then they broke yeah. up and to your point though like NBC maybe should have done that. Uh, like had a kind of a teachable moment and that would have been good entertainment but that's not NBC's job anymore NBC's job is to be this polarizing alt-left just like Fox is polarizing alt-right well that's what they did this morning with Megan they had uh, Roland S. Martin on uh, former CNN commentator and they had the whole proper blackface argument with black people which if they had also been like a black producer just somebody backstage on Monday to go hey maybe you should bring a black (laughs) person on to have this blackfish discussion, then maybe you don't step in that, or that teachable moment happens in real time. Because a lot of the problem with, a lot of what triggers outrage culture is that there's nobody on that dais in the moment right. to attack, to clap back. Like if you watch half the stuff that's said on CNN, half the shit that they say on CNN when they're Don Lemon and there's three boxes and box one and three are attacking box two. Go check Box 2's mentions online. There, there's no outrage. Can you believe he said that? Because someone on air checked him in that moment. So the moment doesn't become some Twitter moment. It doesn't It doesn't light a fire on the internet. All Megyn Kelly trended until the end of Monday Night Football. Yeah. Are, are people that. more intolerant now? We see it because of social media and Twitter. Uh, but, you know, back in the early 70s, if you, you know, the nation was polarized about Vietnam. The nation's been polarized about civil rights are people more polarized and more intolerant of opposite point of views or are they just 
louder because we have Twitter and and and, and Instagram. I, I think and there's more views to be like like in the '70s. There was Vietnam. Now there's like 70 different things that are Vietnams. You know what? What's lost in the quick, the quick turnover, uh, the 12-hour news cycle, as I call it now, is that the nuance to issues is lost. Like with Vietnam. Like, if you wanted to speak out about Vietnam, you had to go to the protest. You had to read an op-ed. Someone had to write a thoughtful piece that you read. There wasn't a quick link to some bullshit Russia clickbait nonsense. Or we weren't a culture that only read the headline in the first paragraph and kept it moving. You had a legitimate discussion and you had a real conversation about the draft or about how veterans should be treated when they come home from Vietnam. It was never just all yay or all nay. I agree. And, and journalism could be a little dull and, and dry because you, you bought the paper for a quarter and, and, and that you didn't have to sell the paper by some fancy headline or some titillating story. So mm-hmm. it, it, was a little, it was a little higher brow. And, and there's a little bit of confirmation bias. Everyone's buying just yes. what's going to agree with them. Absolutely. So, and you know, nobody, a, lot, a lot of confirmation bias. Yeah, the alt-left is not watching Fox and the alt-right is not watching MSNBC, except, like you said, if, if it's not chopped off that moment, they get a chance to be the Twitter mob against Megyn mm-hmm. Kelly. Now, I'm not saying Megyn Kelly was right. I'm just saying she's probably not that intelligent, is my guess, based on what she said. I don't know her like you know her. No, I don't know her, I don't know her very well. I just, I know, as I said, I know friends It doesn't seem like an intelligent thing to say, like, oh. Dr- well, it's dr- stunning that you can rise to that high level of, uh, of polite society, kind of, and not understand... That even if you want to say such a thing, you need to you need to really lay it out very carefully, like I kind of just did. Like this is I'm, I understand exactly why this is upset, but I was thinking, well, but she didn't. But, but why would you think that if you never been checked? If yeah. you're on your 14 strike, you ain't never been thrown out the game. And, and, so, and also that assumes that people rise up at a journalism company through merit, which is not necessarily <laughs> true. She, she I used to watch her on Fox. Nah, she's good. She was quite good. And very smart. She was, I think she's editor of a law review. She's not a dopey woman. She's not. So then but to say Santa Claus that? is white and Jesus uh, that, is white, that's I, I, not... Well, that was, that was where Jesus is jokes. <laughs> Santa Claus is a fictional character that's portrayed, <laughs> that has been typically portrayed as white. And I think I think he comes from uh, Swedish uh, no, Turkish, folklore. Turkish. Oh, the, the, the funny, so, but the funny is, so uh, I mean, all the knows? white people in Turkey. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, they're, 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 the they're Caucasoid. Everybody Turkish I know is white. Yeah. I, I mean, white, white people. I, people I've people I've known who are Turkish. They don't look Middle Eastern. I mean, I'm sure there are some who mm-hmm. do, but like white, like Jennifer Colby, our, uh, used to be married to this guy Zeki. He was Turkish. Hey, he looked just like you. You're talking. You're looking damn. at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like your 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 skin tone. It's your skin tone. Yeah. Skin tone. Um, so I, I don't. I, I think Turkey is more European than I don't even well, know. Are, Nor did Megyn Kelly know that Santa Claus was Turkish. She just thought I just Santa don't Claus was like a European it. thing, you know. I just don't buy her genuineness in the mornings. I you know I, I never I, it's it. not I'm not gonna get into critiquing news shows that I watch every morning, but I just think that she's a person with a long track record and probably didn't deserve it for this one, but you earned it off the, all the other stuff you didn't get dragged. Like OJ. Yeah. Even money. <laughs> Yeah, you didn't deserve. <laughs> Nobody goes to jail years for ten years right? for stealing your own trophy. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> yeah. you had this yeah, one coming. Some strikes, yeah. OJ. All right, well, you know, it's, it's funny that uh, uh, this kind of proves that that, that so often, uh, if if Roy and I had this conversation on Twitter, it probably could get pretty. Well, awful. you know what would happen? Forty more people would jump in with yeah. no knowledge of the context of the previous tweets and immediately st- start arguing and fighting and yelling, and then it gets twisted and yeah. 
there's no that's that's what sucks about Twitter. Twitter is having a logical conversation with a person on the train and then three more people overhearing the conversation, but they only heard parts of the conversation and they immediately pick a side and they go on attack. And that's what the internet is set up for, but that's what clickbait does and that's what drives clicks. That's what drives profits but is also, giving also, people something to argue. There's a different agenda too. Like we're sitting here because we're talking about issues and we, some of us know each other and others know each other. Twitter, it, it really is a mob. So people go on Twitter to fight and to cause problems. <laughs> it's a different agenda. The, that, that whole company is, is built on people arguing. They, they, they make ad dollars the more stupid people are on there. And let, let me amplify. And by the way, I think that in the end, Roy and I basically don't even disagree on this past issue. But it, let's say we all, with our friends, with our best friends, if you get into like a little friction through email, you get very nasty very quickly. Because it's not face-to-face, because yeah. most of communication <laughs> is in person. So, I, so I, like, I won't argue an email almost ever anymore. But imagine now you're with strangers, and it's 100, or it's now 280 characters, whatever it is. This, mm-hmm. is like, this is like perfectly designed to bring out the worst in everybody in the world. And you have people who have your back. It's like being in a bar argument, and then just 10 strangers come up, yeah, bro, get them. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, bro. I got your back, bro. Tweet back. Let them know. I've engaged in a few little Twitter conversations with people commenting on this daily podcast I did, and it's just like I was so nice, and they're just so mean. It's so like it's what? awful. It's they a, will they'll they'll threaten to kill you. I said, why didn't you talk about the the Louis victims? I go. I said, well, actually, I did. We did two, three long podcasts with all the female comedians and all the female employees, and, and another one. We really. I said, but the host never asked me these questions. I would have been happy to talk about it. And she came out, no, you should have brought it up. It just shows your your patriarchal, blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, you're criticizing me for something that was yeah, out of my control. I already hate you before I talked to you, so there's nothing said, you can present. I said, won't you give me, I said, won't you give me any credit for the fact that I actually spent hours, you know, trying to be transparent, talking to every woman in my world? No. And, and you could read it online. Just so nasty. I'm like, I'm realizing, what am, what am I doing? You can't, you, know? you can't you engage. Can't. You, you can't. can't. That's the sin, is engaging. You could spend time with your kid instead of engaging on Twitter. I and, still- and, and, I'm sorry. Sorry, what's this guy? Simon, the the author we tried to get. Yeah, what's yeah, his name? Yeah. Simon. Or I, I There's a writer. You, you might know him. He writes about comedies. Seth Simon, Stephen Simon, uh, something Simon. Here, I'll Simple Simon. Uh, was, 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 yeah, look. yeah, I'm looking right now. So, no, my, okay. and he writes about comedy, and he writes very viciously about the comedy seller, and very viciously, like he he said that Jay Okerson's some joke that was reflective that. That Seth Simons. Seth Simon. That Jay is uh, sympathetic to rape culture. This is what he said about Jay Okerson. So I'm like, well, let's, why don't we get this guy in here to, to talk about it with him? You know, like we always like to. And he wrote back like a really. Sti- he writes back, no thanks. Good luck mitigating this PR crisis by prolonging it. So, like he has no. So I sent him another email actually, hoping that he would come. So he has no interest in that. He wants the ability to snipe. He doesn't, he doesn't want to take the risk, in, in my opinion, but I don't know. Maybe it's not being fair to him. Doesn't think he wants to take the risk of a conversation. Because is he more likely to get a six-figure book deal by arguing with you anonymously like that or coming in here? But the point is that I hope that he does reconsider, and I, and I hope that anybody who disagrees with us would contact us and want to be on the show. I think it's very healthy to talk Why about Why do you things. think they don't want to talk to you? Do, they think, do you think that they feel that you're set in your opinion, and they can't change your mind? Is that... Because what's the purpose of conversation other than dialogue and gaining new information about 
the other side? And if they feel like they know what you're about and who you are, do you think that's why they don't sit down? I, I think there are various reasons. First of all, to credit some people, like uh, what was the name of the woman from The Atlantic? The, the woman who was on our yeah. show? Um, I forget. I, mean, I, I know who you're talking about. Though. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Like she wrote a really negative piece about us. And I invited her on, and she couldn't have been more wonderful, and, and we just had a great conversation. I, I conceded some point to her that I had. Remember I said, I, I think she got me on that one. Like, it was really nice. So some people really are open about it. Other people, I think, suspect that they'll get a beating. I logically. do believe that dialogue promotes progress on all issues. Absolutely. No, do, do we want to, I think uh, we should discuss something very significant happening here at the Comedy Cellar uh, this Friday. Uh, is the premiere of uh, This Week at the Comedy Cellar, yeah. uh, which is a, a where headlines... 11 p.m. So, Comedy Central. Where headlines become punchlines. It's a weekly stand-up uh, kind of uh, overview of the week's events, and comics go on stage and, and uh, talk about the week's events in a stand-up format. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they've been taping it around the corner. I had a question for you about yes, that. Yes, sir. Um, now, the audience comes to the show. It's, 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 uh, they make reservations, they come to the show, they pay the normal cover, the normal drink minimum, etc. And what they're seeing is not a normal show. They're seeing comedians do new stuff that, uh, that may or may not work. Uh, also, comedians are talking about the same topics because since it's a topical show, every comedian's talk. I go up and I say, hey, do you hear Meghan Markle was pregnant? The next comedian goes up and says, hey, do you hear Meghan Markle was pregnant? Which could be fascinating to certain people, but do the audience, when they make reservations, know that this is what it is, and have you had any uh, feedback, uh, negative or positive? Well, it says on the website that that's what it, it is. It says on the, the website. The, fir the first week, uh, the people may not have been, uh, uh, they might have made reservations prior to the time we put that on the website. I'm also, I, I mean, I'm not totally happy with the way it's been going, and I think that's more of a problem with the way that we've uh, that we've communicated the format to the comedians, then it definitely it's not the comedian's fault. But I think that uh, as we get the hang of it, it's going to feel more and more just like a regular show. I think some of the comedians feel have been just put felt too much pressure to like just spend the whole set going running the topics. But, well, some, but some, some people yeah, have been. They gave us a little more. I did the late show last night. I think I went up at like midnight, and by then, or at least I got the note. Do your set. Put in where you can the stuff that you want to talk but, about, but and it went better, I bet. But the, yeah, of course. But the thing is, is a guy like me. Yeah. Uh, Comedy Central's not on my side. They're, 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 I'm not one show. of their favorites. Uh, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> if or if I want to get on the show, because they're not. What they're doing is they're filming everybody. This is for the audience that's listening at home that, that doesn't know how this works. They're filming everybody doing their set, and they're going to use what they want to use. Oh, we here's a good joke about so and so, or we we don't we've decided we don't want to discuss. Theoretically, topic A, so we're going to use topic B. Unless I cover every topic, uh, I probably won't get on because I need to maximize my chances. And in order to maximize my chances, I need to have as many jokes on as many topics as possible because I don't know what topics they're ultimately going to go with, and I don't know which jokes are going to work. Yeah. And if I'm not one of their faves, and they do have faves at Comedy Central, yes, they do. I I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to get on unless I make a set every single joke is topical. And I have to be honest, this is not enjoyable for me. It's a lot of pressure. Um, but I feel like I have to do that if I want even the but, slightest chance of getting on that show. But, Dan, let me ask you a question. What about the writers of every late-night show? 
in existence right. ever. They all have to write just the monologue for the host that, that night. They have to write all topical jokes. Right. So, so, that, so, so, they're, so they're not going to be like stand-up quality jokes that have matured for years but, maybe. Right, but the problem the is we night. have an audience that's paying to see the show that wants a killer show. At the same time, we're trying to make a show that, that's, that's well, topical. But what we need from the comedians is to, to uh, find some middle ground there. You, you may, if, if in your mind, you, you know, you're not going to maximize your chances. I, I actually don't see it that way. I think if you lead with your two or three best jokes, the ones that aren't so good anyway, they're never going to get on. And the but top, I, don't, I don't necessarily know what's going to be good or bad until the audience... Well, you might. Well, maybe you don't. But, I, the, I don't but the, uh, the two or three, the topics are, get chosen in the end. First of all, I'm trying to move the format already. I'm trying to move the format away from... Uh, being a straitjacket on the comedians. I'm like, really, just talk about anything, anything that you find funny that went on this week, and we'll find a way to, to fit that's, it into the that's, show. That's more loose and less yeah. pressure on the comics. That was the initial concept of the show, but as it got taken from me and it got shaped in, in ways without me, they they're very much putting in blocks. But I think everybody's beginning to realize now that that's that's gonna be a little too harsh. So th there's that, and then you know the the. The blocks are going to be formed by who had the most funny jokes on a particular subject. Do you see... But I, again, I don't know which my jokes are going to be funny until I do exactly. them. But you so still, I have to do ten of them to have, get two yeah, of them. Yeah, but you still have to go over. Otherwise, you, you can't get I know. Booked. What I'm saying is, yeah. is you're saying I, I shouldn't devote my whole set to topical jokes. But I don't know which topical joke is going to work. I'm so saying, if I don't do ten topical yeah. jokes, I'm not going to get two right. great topical yeah, jokes. But I'm telling you that I'm going to start telling uh, Esty that we can't book the comedians who are not, who are not being effective at serving both purposes in the show that night. They need to be effective at serving the purpose of entertaining the audience, whatever that takes, even if it means cutting your losses, you still get paid, and and also fitting your topical jokes. Like, you still gotta go over. Okay, well if that if that's the no, the, look, the 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 uh, it's gonna be the marching orders, good. The marching orders, then that's what the marching orders are. So my my approach to it, Dan, has been I don't have jokes about everything. Like of the topics for this week I think I talked about, uh, so there was Migrant Caravan, the Halloween, Mega Millions, World Series, Saudi Arabia. Like, there was like celebs boycotting the Super Bowl. Like, out of all of that, I had three topics where I go, that interests me. And I know I can go on and on about that. So I'll carpet bomb one topic to, like, Godfrey did, oh my God, Godfrey did eight minutes about the lottery. <laughs> He's Just the lottery. So, Guaranteed, if no one else gets a lottery joke on, mm -hmm. Godfrey, goddamn, he's getting a lottery joke on because he had killer joke after joke after joke about the lottery. Or my approach is to find three things that I actually like and give a damn about or find the one topic that I have the alternate view that I know no one else will take. And then you have to put me on because I'm being a contrarian. So you can put on all the other comedians that go... I will not be on the Super Bowl. And then you end with me going, I would happily do a Super Bowl commercial. It has nothing to do with the game. I would happily be on at halftime. Like that, like taking that, for me, that's how I choose to keep from being stressed about, oh my God, I need a joke about a dead journalist in Saudi Arabia. I got nothing. And I'm not going to even try. Really? Not even a funny topic like that? <laughs> I, I didn't want nothing. that topic. I didn't want that topic at all. Nothing. Well, I, 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 what about the Canada marijuana legalization? I have my joke that, you know, that, that killer yeah, joke about. Why did you do it? I did do it. Oh, I did okay. it last night, but now I'm being told that maybe they don't want that topic on. 
I don't know. I, I, I want them to choose the topics that are provocative, the topics that would make us argue. I don't like the bland topics like a Halloween and stuff like that, but some people do have some good Halloween material. I well, feel you got like good Halloween you know, material. If I'm just speaking freely as a, as a seller regular, I think to honor the essence of this building is to have issues with which there are no easy solutions. That's right. And that there is but, debate. There's well, room for but, debate. Otherwise, why are you going to the table? I don't want to watch four comics talk about Meghan Markle's pregnancy at the round table, which is also going to be an element of the show, not just stand-up, it's well, people. Well, well, Roy, I was like, you know, ironic, not ironically, but uh, maybe surprisingly, uh, I think you have more pull right now on the direction of this show than I do. And if you, if, <laughs> honestly, so, so if you would uh, make that opinion, because that, that almost, it's almost verbatim what I said in some of these calls. If you, if you got that word out, I think they would listen. Well, because my concern with, with doing the show, years ago, BET used to have, um, they would do Best of Comic View. They would have Comic View, they would show, BET showed like 30 comedians a week, and at the end of the month, they would just pull the best jokes on the same topics. And what I remember from that back in the day was it was all entertaining, but everybody was forgettable because everybody just had a hodgepodge joke about an issue. And it wasn't an issue where there was serious right side or wrong side some, to some it. sparks. Yeah, and I think that's what you have to have. It has to be stand-up that really opens up the sinuses. And like So, Roy, what, what's an example like this week? What would be three topics this week that you could see sparks? Uh, the Super Bowl boycott, for one, for sure. But not everybody's an open-up-the-sinuses kind of comic. I mean, David Tell doesn't open up sinuses. Yeah. He's just plain brilliant. But we, we need that for ratings. We need to be You need that as well. I'm not saying everything, you don't have to... It's not left-wing, right-wing humor or whatever, but it has to be... My concern is just doing general jokes and being clipped together with other comics all doing general jokes, and there's no point of view, there's no opinion, there's no real direction. It's just... Bland. You, it can't all be bland. You mix in the Attells, you mix in the Todd Berries, and then somewhere in there, you're dropping Andrew Schultz on their ass, who you know is going to be coming all the way. You drop in a Bobby Kelly on their ass... Who you know is going to throw a curveball? I'd like ball. to use Nick DiPaolo. Yeah, Trump considering Trump administration considering officially defining gender based on genitalia at birth. That's a tough topic to cook <laughs> when in did six they, days. When did they stop defining? It? <laughs> and they never told us when they stopped See? doing that. Joe, right there. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I always thought they defined like like I had a baby not long ago. They defined they, him well, they, based on his on his dick. Well, they say on, it's a boy or ultrasound. it's a girl. Yeah, they didn't they didn't ask me. The question, though, is that that's a very, that's a touchy subject. Yeah. If you're the producer and you go back in the edit and no one has a great joke on it, do you just put up jokes that present both sides for the sake of honoring the tradition of what the seller is? Or do you put the funny... But, but is that what the tradition of what the seller is? That could well be and should be I the way, part the way it, you explain least. it. I think you're right about the show this week at the Comedy Cellar. I'm not sure that the spirit of the Comedy Cellar is what you're saying. Uh, so, so, the spirit of the Comedy Cellar is putting on funny people. No, no, no. There's, there's, there is, but there is very much what he's saying. Like what made it may the not tough be crowd all that. and all that. Well, that was tough, tough crowd. crowd started I'm talking at this about, table, I'm I'm talking about what goes on downstairs here. No, no. Well, but they're showing the, the table too. Yeah. You're showing the comics at the table, which is what tough crowd. That was the, that was the genesis of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's part of it. I, I agree with you, Dan. Like. It still has to be about the jokes. We are making television. Jokes make people laugh. That's Because then we start drifting into 
is opinion more important than punchline, which I don't buy into. If we start talking about the philosophical arguments about comedy and whether or not it should, it's okay for it to be deep and not, like, no, there should still be some damn jokes. But if it's just all just well, let me make the following argument. jokes. The regular topics like Halloween, there's so much comedy at your fingertips now. Uh, Netflix, what I say? Why are you gonna watch Comedy Central 11 o'clock on on Friday night? It, it's like watching live sports. It's it's got to be something a little uh, as uh, sign is opening about shit that's going on right now. It's got to be a little controversial. You're not gonna tune in to hear jokes about Halloween. You're just not. You it's like it's just not. I gotta get home and hear those general bland jokes about it, anything. No, I, I'll, yeah. I'll watch it on demand. Like why? Why bother? The debate should have been about blackface, and that's where you build the jokes around. I wanted blackface. that. Um, so what uh, debate? About Megyn Kelly and blackface in general or whatever. Hopefully people talk about that. So here, so we'll end kind of this. It's kind of, I told you flat about this. I got an email today, and I'm going to read it to you guys. You tell me what you think. And this actually happened. This is because of somebody told a joke that somebody was offended on during this show. So, uh, I'll try to... Um, oh, wait, sorry. That's my answer. Uh, please know I'm neither conservative nor liberal. I'm a registered independent. Who registers independent? Anyway, who votes based solely on... Anderson Maris- in 1980. Uh, uh, yeah. Maris- Having said that, I'm compelled to say whoever stand-up, whoever the stand-up is in your TV commercial, I guess I mean show, that mocked the Holocaust with a despicable line about Trump making Jewish Americans want to go back to Germany is absolutely reprehensible. I'm a full-blooded German whose grandparents immigrated here from Germany and carry great shame about the horrible suffering inflicted on the Jews by the Nazis. Anybody who makes light of the slaughter of innocents by trying to exploit it, uh, they are amongst the scum at the bottom of the ocean and don't deserve any time. I suggest that you glean the material your guest comedians plan to use beforehand. This woman should be blacklisted in comedy entertainment arena for her cold lack of sensitivity to an issue that should be eulogized, not laughed at. Shame on her Wait, and shame on, shame on her and shame on you. Seven exclamation points. This was for the commercial for the Comedy Central show that they're talking about? Either that or they came to they came and heard the, the show. But, uh, but, I, I, actually, you're probably right. It probably was the commercial. They ran that joke as the commercial. Now, what, do you, what, what would you answer but, an email like but that? But ton of, tons of comedians make Holocaust jokes, abortion jokes. I mean, there's lots of, like, topics that people get offended by. What are you, what are you supposed to do? It's a, it's a comedy club. You but what nothing. would you answer? No, you I, I always answer our, our negative emails. I, I would say it's a comedy club. This is the safest place in the world. An actual I, I, racist is not going to go on the stage of a comedy club and say their thing. They're going to go off and shoot people or I'd whatever. I want to know what the joke was before I before I answered. <laughs> you just said the joke. What was the joke? It says uh, Trump is so bad he makes Jews want to move back to Germany. Okay. What do you say to that? How are you going to explain this uh, comedy? It, it's a comedy club and people don't it. have to go if they don't like the As jokes. As a business owner, I understand it. Yeah. But as a lover of comedy and trying to explain it to someone, that email is way, that the length of that email tells me you're never going to get what that type of comedy but, is but, but for but people in the world. But they're both the same thing. Like, a comedy club owner is concerned about the market. So if everybody was like that, he wouldn't allow com- comedians to say that because then no one would show up at the comedy cellar. But the reality is, if the jokes are funny... And I don't know if that was funny or not, but if the jokes are funny, then the market well, decides if that's the joke's good but enough. But what do you do as an owner? Do you now reprimand the comedian and say, hey, send me a transcript before you go on stage? Like, no, what, and markets, what would the comics the say? The decide if the comedian's good. Yeah. So you want to know what I wrote just for the hell of it? 
I wrote, I understand your feelings, but let me say a few things. One, in my opinion, you should not feel any personal shame about the Holocaust. You were born innocent, and although I'm Jewish and have a close connection to the issue, I'd be ashamed if I were to act as if any German alive today is somehow tainted by it. You're no more responsible for it than I am. Two, comedians say what they want, and sometimes it doesn't work or it comes out too harsh and it needed to be modified. We don't blacklist people in the industry, and if there's anything you should feel shame about, it's to suggest that we ought to. That we ought to. What a horribly authoritarian, over-the-top suggestion for a single offensive joke to end someone's career. Three, I'm not ashamed of myself, nor should I, nor should, and I mentioned the Kenyan's name, uh, be. And I say that even though, and I say that even though I didn't like the joke either, and I completely understand why it made you feel uncomfortable. I'm happy to speak with you about this on the phone if you'd like. That was my answer. Don't speak I, to this person on the phone. Come on. They usually won't, but I, but I will. I will. Come but on. Hey, but Roy's point is... You're fighting you're, the you're, ocean. You're, yeah, you're fighting the ocean. That, that it's reasonable to respond, and your response was great. I, I wouldn't change a word gonna, of it. Right. Your response was great, but the, Roy's point is the, the, this person is not going to change. They're just an angry person. But this is where you guys are not... Well, I say wrong. I, <laughs> after having a lot of conversations, people have come at me. 30, 40% people will actually, just how we talk about it, the, the worst they are is in the email. You got them on the phone, they hear your voice, and, like, and you can actually, like, the guy who came at me first about Louis C.K. and went to the Times and complained about it and all that, um, we became friends. And he, and, That's a and different he, situation, by the way. We did. That was somebody who was in the club, right? Yeah. This is a person no, who... No, but at first, I met him through, through a nasty email. And I said, why don't you call me? Right, right, and, but we he spoke, was, and we became friends, and he apologized. But he was actually one of the 95 people sitting in the yes, club. Yes. Whereas this person is one of a million people seeing a commercial. Flipping and the you channels. Cha you changed one person's mind out of a million who saw the commercial, maybe, or maybe not, 50-50. But not but, all of those million people felt the exact same way this guy did. Wait, but who cares about it if this guy has a bad opinion? I and, try not to get cynical. I'm saying, somebody writes me, I'm going to write him back. And, wait, so you uh, sent that email already? Yeah, and I, oh, okay. I treat them with the respect that... And, and, and if it works, it works. It doesn't. It doesn't. But to me, that's why live at the, this week. This is why the show is important. This Comedy Cellar show is going to be very important to the national dialogue about stand-up because it will also be the only show every week that has the potential to do something offensive and show people all of the ranges of what comedy is, so that when they go out to a comedy club. They'll do their homework. And I honestly feel like this is an opportunity for people to get reacclimated about. You can be mad about whatever the hell you want and all these other quadrants, but at the comedy club on the stage, this is safe. This is is, 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 is the Comedy Central in accord with, with that point of view of the show? Do they want all different points of view or do they want to keep it politically that correct? That remains to be seen because they're still a Viacom property and they're all about making money. And if people start boycotting advertisers, then you got a whole different problem. Right, on well, that. that's just it, is that media and clubs and comedy is a business. So at the end of the day, it has to be funny and it has to be an experience and it has to be entertaining. Commerce and free speech ain't never mixed well. Yeah. All right. Well, if we can somehow thread that needle, we'll, we'll be in good shape, you know. Although, uh, although maybe uh, free speech and capitalism do fit because... The markets reward free speech, ultimately. Uh, you know, comedy clubs exist because not everybody is, you know, put in a straitjacket. That's true. All right, we got to end up. I want to say, you know, I did these two podcasts. I want to give a, a nice shout-out to Mike Pesca on Slate Magazine, The Gist, you know, this podcast. No. He he did a He was extremely above the belt. We had a very good conversation. He did not ambush me. And I, and I wasn't totally happy with the way they edited it, but I know they edited it for uh, time. And, you know, people always be fussy about that. But, but that was a, a very good experience 
Thank you, Mike Pesca. And the Daily, I'm... Um, I'm not happy with those guys. But what can I do about it? Oh, it was still a good <laughs> well, interview. But it was still a good interview. Yeah, you got your point across. You, you, and don't, you don't know what's on the cutting room floor. You don't know. <laughs> well, be that as it may, <laughs> it seems like a lot of the emails you received were favorable. Yes. yes. So I think you made your point admirably, yeah. even given the cuts that were made. Yeah. All right. Good Watch night. the Comedy Cellar show live from the Comedy Cellar. Comedy Central. Friday nights. Friday nights, 11 p.m. And 11 Dan, I hope I watch it and I see you on well, it. Well, I hope I'm to really be. Hoping. I hope to be. He will be. I don't know about this week, but he's definitely going to be on it. Oh, yeah. Email us. Email us. Podcast at comedycellar.com. Roy Wood, James uh, Altucher. Thank you very much, everybody. Good night.